Welcome to Wine Unearthed. This podcast takes you behind the scenes of the Margaret River winemaking region in Western Australia, the very place named Best in Asia Pacific by travel authority Lonely Planet. It's produced for you by your Margaret River region and the Margaret River Wine Association. My name's Fleur Banger. I'm a food and travel journalist, and I'll be taking you through this gorgeous spot, tasting the wine, meeting the people, and breathing in the surrounds. A lot of towns, they don't have these vineyards like we do. It's just a part of being local. It's a part of knowing who you are, I guess. Because we live in Margaret River. It's just one thing that everybody does. Every day going on the bus, there's so many wineries. And like, and we own a shop, so Dad sells them all these like fertilisers and like all stuff to help them with the wines. Majority to like 75% of the people here have some involvement if it's making it, drinking it. My big brother, he used to work at a winery. He always brings back wine for us. I'm only in year seven, so I never get it. I've got friends who live on vineyards and stuff. A couple of years ago, I got to go on the harvester, which was pretty fun. So my dad owns, like, a couple vineyards. It's like a big business here. It's, like, always a job option for me. Every day I ride home from school... I actually take a shortcut through Xenadu Winery. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. It's amazing. Wine. It's at the heart and soul of WA's Southwest. And as you just heard from the school kids at Margaret River Senior High, everyone knows someone who's connected to the wine industry. Those kids look after a vineyard on the school grounds and just as many help out with pruning, harvesting and maybe even winemaking at home. It was families who started the winemaking industry in Margaret River, not big corporates or international investors. And a lot of the children and grandchildren of the founders are still running their family properties. In this podcast, we'll roll up the long tree-lined driveway at Ashbrook Estate to meet the second and third generation family members living on site. Then we've put it on the tip and then in the crusher, then on the sorting table. Wow, and then what happens? Uh, this goes into the big press, and then it goes into tanks, and that's all. We'll also catch up with the women behind Lewin Estate, who are keeping the pace set by their forebears, including bringing in a steady stream of celebrity performers for the annual Lewin concert. Jack Johnson and his posse are walking up through the bush and we're like oh my god it's Jack Johnson and so we're like oh just just act cool and so we're like hi are you lost and he says to us oh hey girls we're looking for some kangaroos but first I'm going to try a Sav Blanc with wine writer Peter Forrestal what are you pouring today Forry? well we've got a couple of um, jewels the first of them is the Cape Mentel now look both of these are not straight Sauvignon Blancs they're Sauvignon Blanc Semillon so what you get is an absolutely great ready-to-drink wine. Mm. You really give it a good chew, don't you? <laughs> absolutely necessary. If I could only have one, then it would be the Cape Mantel. It's so refreshing. There's a crisp acidity that enables the wine to linger in the mouth. Nothing complicated, but delicious. I like that you're spitting. That's impressive. I'm not. Oh, right. (laughs) Is it fair to say that most wineries in Margaret River these days are still family-owned? Since the early days, most Margaret River wineries have been family-owned 
and or family run. How does it colour the region? It changes the community in a sense. Um, They're facing similar sort of problems. Their kids go to school together. They're part of the community. They surf together, play sport together. So the small winery feel or the family winery is still really important to Margaret River. That's a sentiment Catherine Edwards at Ashbrook Estate wholeheartedly agrees with. Her grandparents, father and uncle, sold the family holiday house so they could buy a farm in Margaret River, planting grapes and building a winery by 1980. It's where she, her husband Kingsley and their two kids, Will and Vivi, now live. Their neighbours are Catherine's parents, as well as her brother, Richard, and his family. Somehow, it all works. Ashbrook is a 500-acre property and it's set in the heart of Willyabrup region in Margaret River. We have around about 100 acres of bushland here, so we're pretty much sitting in the centre of the natural bushland at the moment. We have around 17 hectares of grapevines, a mud brick winery, a creek line, and it's rustic. We have a lot of wildlife and a lot of screaming children. (laughs) When I drove up here, the trees lining the red dirt driveway are just stunning and they're some of the bigger ones that I've seen. How old are they, do you know? They were actually planted when I was three years old, so they're now 35. That's admitting too much. (laughs) You grew up here. What was it like, your childhood? I have three siblings. We're all very close. Uh, We grew up in a little red brick house together Uh, We shared a bedroom, so four children in one room, very cosy. When you weren't at school, what were the jobs around the property for you guys? Well, I distinctly remember my brothers being on the end of the bottling line. Um, We would love to stand and watch the labeler putting a tin capsule on a bottle and putting it into a heating machine. There's something mesmerising about that. (laughs) And we would always want to help. Your two kids, they're growing up here as well. They're really little at the moment. How similar is their childhood to yours? I feel they're having a very similar childhood to ours, apart from the fact that they have their own rooms, which is very spoiled. (laughs) They get the tractor rides. We now have four tractors as opposed to just one. You know, they get to feed the cattle. They get to help in the winery as well. Uh, My five-year-old Will, whenever he walks in to the bottling line, he will wait for Grandad to vacate his seat and quickly assume it and pretend that he's the boss. And he's five and a half, so look out. And he's given a few few winery tours. And I pick grapes. It's me too. And Vivi, she's only two and a half, but she loves it. You can't get a pair of shoes on her. She's a barefoot bandit. She can run on gravel. I can't tiptoe on it. She loves nature, loves being outside. And they're both quite loud, so it's very good that we've got a lot of distance between us and the neighbours. I can't even imagine raising them in the city. (laughs) Isn't it peaceful? We might need a mulch again to get the grass away. See, it's so long. See all the dead leaves and vines on the ground? It's autumn, so the leaves have fell off, and it's nearly winter, so the grapevines are going to sleep. When do they wake up? Uh, springtime and summer. And what happens then? We start picking with secateurs, and they're so sharp they might cut your head off. Ooh. You've got several family homes on this property. Who lives here? 
Ashbrook's self-supporting and, and it's supporting three households at the moment. My mum and dad, my brother and his wife and two children, they live in the house that we all grew up in. We're all around close to a kilometre apart, so our house is sort of in the middle of the triangle, which is close enough but far away enough. Tell me about your parents and how they ended up here. Mum was actually quite a talented lady. In 1977, she was awarded a Rhodes Scholarship. She was actually the first woman, we think, in the world to be awarded a Rhodes Scholarship to Oxford. The first two years she did then came back in semester break, got married to Dad and then had to go back to Oxford for a whole other year uh, before finally moving back down to Ashbrook. But, you know, back in those days, it was really quite a pioneering lifestyle. We only had a wood oven in the little red brick house, which mum would have to light and keep going every day. And that's how she did all the cooking and I, and I imagine all the washing. The winery was built of uh, mud brick and we sourced the mud from the creek line and all the bricks were made and laid by dad and they hired a pug mill and a bricklayer to help. And that winery still stands. That's still our cellar door from 1980. You and your three siblings all went to boarding school. How difficult was it to leave this place? Yeah, very difficult. As I was, I was the first one to go, I do remember the day that I drove out with mum, way too many suitcases, feeling sick to the stomach, very nervous, not sure what was ahead, and driving down the avenue of trees just thinking, I'm never going to be back here full time again. That feeling of homesickness never really left but I just let it make me stronger. As you were talking about going to boarding school your eyes filled with tears and I could see that it was still a very painful thought to have to leave this property. How much about becoming a winemaker was about you wanting to be here? Yeah I guess it it didn't make it difficult (laughs) Uh, coming home. My husband had a very successful career in real estate in Perth, so it did take us a little while to to make the decision. And for me, it was a no-brainer. It was just about convincing Kingsley that uh, <laughs> it would be fine, <laughs> everything would be fine. There are also the challenges of coming into a family business. You don't work nine to five, and on a farm you never work nine to five. There always has to be someone here because we have livestock as well as the vineyard. You don't get holidays. You do get some, but they have to be taken when when it's possible and it has to fit in with everyone. So I don't believe it's a career choice. I believe it's a lifestyle choice. And we all certainly have the passion to keep this place going. So everyone's committed to, to doing their part. How much would you say family imbues the essence of Ashbrook Estate? Well, we've been family-owned and operated for over 40 years. Every bottle of wine that's produced here has been touched by our hands at least six times. From a quality point of view, it's very important that the family oversees every aspect of the business. And that's the reason that we want to stay the size we are. We don't want to get any bigger. That sounds like we're control freaks. We're not. We're just very passionate about making the best quality product we can. We've got another bottle here. Shall we open it? Absolutely. Now, this is Clairolt. Um, it's their Sauvignon Blanc Semillon. This one, just on the nose, I'm smelling it. It smells um, a lot greener, fresher, lighter. Yeah, there's an intensity there. As you say, white grape, um, a little bit of lychee and um, grapefruit, perfect with fish dishes or a bit of shellfish or pasta and a really impressive wine. Mm. 
you might be turning me on the SEMSAV block, Corey. Well, look, it's it's really important to Margaret River because it has the volume sales and so people do really depend on SEMSAV block or SAV block, SEM. <laughs> SBS, I know, it's hard to get it right, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yum, thank you and cheers to that. Lewin Estate is another family-owned winery that's being run across generations. Dennis and Trisha Horgan started it all. Now two of their children, Simone and Justin, head up the business as joint CEOs. One of their nine grandchildren, Lucy Davis, runs the marketing and events side of things. Lucy's mum, Simone, was only two years old when the place they all call The Farm was purchased. I asked her how a city businessman ended up with a Margaret River winery. Ah, the very beginning of Lewin Estate, really, its foundations were inspired by my father's passion for surfing. And I came along and I was the first of four kids born within five years. So he was getting very little time for surfing. And he was working as an accountant in mergers and acquisitions. And he had the opportunity to buy an industrial, large industrial business. And he was actually drawn to it because when he looked closely, it had a beautiful property in Margaret River, about six kilometres from his favourite surf beach. So he did the transaction. Um, restructured it, sold off the industrial division and kept the property, which became the background for a childhood utopia of feeding cows and uh, mucking around with lots of friends and picnics. And I was sort of really young at the time. And so it's always been a backdrop, a really special backdrop to our family's life. We all go down there for Easter, for Christmas. Everyone in the family has been married there. So we've had four weddings at the winery so far. Mum... Justin, Beck, Lucy. My husband, Mark, proposed to me in front of the fire in the house down there because to him it was the most special place for us and then we got married there nine months later and it was amazing. So if we look back before any proposals and any weddings, what level of experience did Dennis and Trisha have with wine when they started the winery? Oh, gosh, none. Um, I've still got very vivid memories of casks on the kitchen table at the farmhouse and lots of beer and um, going with the spaghetti bolognese that, you know, all 16 kids were, were share, you know, having out of the pot, um, sharing for dinners. So, no, they definitely didn't have a wine background. And I actually think as second generation, so, you know, Justin and I, you know, running the business now, I think in reflection, that was probably like quite a great thing because they didn't know of any of the challenges or any obstacles. And instead they focus 100% on the opportunity. You know, your grandparents on a different level to most people. How would you describe them? So Dennis, I call him Pop. He's a huge thinker, like a big picture thinker, and he's got enormous energy and he's such a generous person and he's got time for everyone. He taught me to drive and I remember every morning as a kid when I'd stay at the farm, he'd make us pop eggs. So he'd cook eggs for us and I'd sit there with him while he was responding to his emails that came in overnight. My nan, Trish, she's very, very wise and she's like a pillar of strength. So, you know, he'd set the ship off in sail and he'd have the ideas and then she'd have to kind of like put them in to operation and put them in place. But yeah, she's an incredible woman. She's really, really caring and generous of spirit as well. And yeah, like I said, she's she just has this depth of wisdom about it. And so you feel like you can go and ask her anything and she'll tell you what to do, but in a really like matter of fact, but kind way. It's 
Through Lewin Estate, the Horgan family has defined itself by its bold moves, putting Australian artworks on their best wines, launching concerts with big-name performers and drawing the world's top chefs to their grounds. Simone says her father has always had a global view, even back in the 1970s. Dad had the opportunity to visit Mouton Rothschild, who'd do the art on one label a year, and he met the Baroness and he had a conversation with her and said, you know, would you be comfortable if we did Australian art on our, what is essentially the reserve and really age-worthy collection from Lewin? And she said, absolutely. So with her blessing and encouragement, we launched the art series wine. So that first one was on our 1980 art series Chardonnay, and that's a painting by Robert Juniper of Caves Road down in Margaret River. And then the 1981 art series Chardonnay, that was the wine that Decanter magazine tasted and put it in their highly recommended category. And that's what really launched our export markets. There's been a number of key steps really that has seen Lewin evolve and putting the artworks on the Wines as Wine Decanter magazine, recognising you guys as another, then having the London Philharmonic Orchestra play on the property in what became your first concert of a series that has been going ever since was another really pivotal move. How did that come about? That was an amazing story. I mean, if you go and have a look at our setting where our winery is, the winery overlooks a meadow and it's surrounded by a really majestic forest of curry trees. It's a natural amphitheatre and it's quite spectacular. So it loans itself to outdoor performance. So Dad set about writing to various orchestras and opera companies and ballet companies within Western Australia. And back at that time, the idea seemed so crazy that he didn't really get a positive response. And then the London Philharmonic Orchestra were being brought to Western Australia by the Festival of Perth. And they were looking at some sponsorship funding to underwrite the tour. So they came to and he said yes if they would come and perform down at the winery and to everyone's surprise you know one of the world's most incredible orchestras said yes outdoor concerts back then back in 1985 really didn't happen and let alone with one of the world's most incredible orchestras then that just launched a tradition and we've done them for 35 years now we've had a number of international orchestras Sting and Ray Charles and Tom Jones and James Taylor and and the whole atmosphere is really alive but uniquely Margaret River. Now, I know you're not wanting to spill too many beans, but I want you to tell me a little bit about some of these stars that have been to your property over the years. What are some of the big names and who really knew their wine? Sting, he certainly knows his wine and he is a producer himself in Italy. Bryn Terfel, the fabulous um, English opera star, he's very passionate about wine. And Ray Charles, that was the first one that we moved away from just an orchestra and we had a had an artist, Ray Charles Trio as well. And he wrote in our visitor's book, which I'll never forget, I just love the feel of this place because obviously he couldn't see it, but he could feel it. I remember being a, I must have been about 15 years old and I had my best friend down in Margaret River with me and Jack Johnson was playing that night. We're walking down from the house to the concert lawn and Jack Johnson and his posse are walking up through the bush and we're like, oh my God, it's Jack Johnson. And so we're like, oh, just just act cool. And so we're like, hi, are you lost? And he says to us, oh, hey girls, we're looking for some kangaroos. And we're like, oh, we know where they are. So my friend and I are like, quick, Jack, come with us. So we take him up onto the top lawn and show them the kangaroos. We're like, wow, this is so cool. We've got Jack Johnson and we're showing him like where all the kangaroos are. (laughs) 
One of my other favourite memories was when we did Michael Crawford at the concert at Lewin and I can't remember why you weren't at school but you weren't Mm, and you were only about seven or eight. We took him to Rottnest on a boat and he was just in awe of Lucy. He was such a nice man. Yeah, and she just had this incredible day out, you know, with Michael Crawford, the amazing phantom of the opera guy. (laughs) I wasn't very good at using babysitters. I always brought my kids along to everything. If we were doing a wine dinner or we had distributors visiting or concert dinners, we always do a dinner the night before. My kids were always there, so they kind of grew up knowing a lot about it. Yeah, I remember loving the concerts, all these visitors to the winery, and then we'd just go back to the house and think, oh, yeah, we just had like 6,000 people on our lawn, no biggie. It was, I guess it was all normalised in some ways as well for us because we grew up down there. It was really special looking back, and it still is. Another big event that you now host as well is the Gourmet Escape Village, so the hub of the Gourmet Escape in your grounds. Have you gotten to rub shoulders with a few big-name chefs? been very lucky to get to do that. One of the most favourite people was the late Adrian Gill, A.A. Gill, what an incredible writer and passionate man. And oh, I love Tetsuya. I'm always very fond of him um, and David Chang and Massimo Batura. Oh, Rick Stein is just such a sweetheart and such an incredible chef. Heston Blumenthal. Heston's very passionate about his wine. We did an incredible tasting with him and his palate. I loved listening to him describe his wines and his wine knowledge was quite profound. Do you ever pinch yourself when you think about that childhood feeding cattle and now you're hosting people that are world leaders in whatever it is they do? Yeah, I do actually, but it's sort of just remained the same journey in many ways because as a young kid going down there, my excitement for the farm was every bit as much the excitement that I still have today. It's just, it's still the farm to us, even though, you know, obviously we do great wines and food and concerts and gourmet escape on our property and all that sort of thing, but it is still the farm. And now I'm watching my little grandson, Archie, running around down there in his boots and his uggies and everything else and sort of see that continuity of what I loved about my life, that they're all enjoying it in theirs too. Uh, And I know that gives my parents enormous satisfaction watching the family unfold and everyone falling in love with this beautiful place that's now Lewin Estate. I can hear us singing through the grapevine All you need is a lot of love and a little time Just watch me turn water into sweet summer wine You're listening to local musician Rory Faithfield and his track Sweet Summer Wine by the Cullen Wine Song Soundtrack. Additional music by Josh Hogan and Ned Beckley. This podcast is supported by the International Wine Tourism Grant, funded by Wine Australia, Margaret River Wine Association, Margaret River Bustleton Tourism Association, Southwest Development Commission and Australia's Southwest. It's been scripted, recorded and presented by me, Fleur Banger from White Noise Media, sound designed by Tom Allen from Barking Wolf and produced by Sophie Matthewson. We acknowledge the Wadandi saltwater and forest people as the traditional owners of this region and remind you to walk softly on country. For inspiration planning your trip to this beautiful part of the world, visit margaretriver.com.